Hello, Gold Avenue Church family and friends near and far. This is Pastor Gina, and I'm so glad that we are together around God's Word this morning as we begin a new sermon series on the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. We're calling it Preparing to Build. And as we mentioned earlier in a written um, note to you about this series, it seemed a little weird to start a series about preparing to build when we were all in our separate places, our homes or wherever we're listening to this sermon from. Um, and yet the Lord gave us great excitement and anticipation that he wants to prepare us for the time when we can come back together. And so in this series, we're going to hear and um, be encouraged. And it's for people that need renewal. So um, whether you're needing personal renewal, we need corporate renewal, national renewal, we believe this series is going to speak to that. We believe that the series is going to give us models for good leadership, and we need to see pictures and um, what it looks like to have godly leadership. And in this series, we're going to hear stories of real people that go through real struggle and overcome with the Lord's help. And so we believe it's going to be encouraging and um, very formative and instructional for us all. And so we're glad that we're going on this journey together. And so would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you for this opportunity to open your word together. And I pray that you would empower me to preach I pray that you would prepare our hearts and our ears to hear what your Holy Spirit would say. Lord, um, form us, shape us, and help us to respond in faith and in obedience, I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. And so as we look at this book of Ezra, um, it was written, oh, around somewhere between 430 and 300 years before Christ. And it's the recording of um, a story of God's people who had been in captivity for um, 70 years. And so Ezra chapter 1, and we're going to read the the first chapter here. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts. 
in addition to all the free will offerings. Moreover, King Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his God. Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought by Mithredeth, the treasurer, who counted them out to Shishbazar, the prince of Judah. This was the inventory, gold dishes 30, silver dishes 1,000, silver pans 29, gold bowls 30, matching silver bowls 410, other articles 1,000. In all, there were 5,400 articles of gold and silver. Shusbazar brought all these along with the exiles when they came up from Babylon to Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. So this week, there has been flooding over in Midland, Michigan. Uh, one of the um, dams broke and there was a flood. And one of my neighbors here living in Grand Rapids posted pictures showing the progressing water coming up in one of her friend's homes over there. And the other night, um, well, actually, it was during the day that she posted these pictures asking for prayer for her friend. And then um, I checked back on Facebook maybe two hours later, and um, the woman had moved up to the upstairs with her dog, and um, I checked back like maybe four hours later, and there had still been no rescue. And so as it got to about 8 o'clock in the evening, I just posted and said, I'm praying that they rescue her before it gets dark. And went to bed, and the next morning I checked right away, and um, she had been the last person rescued that night before they had to stop. And, um, you know, there's just an intensity. You could just, I could just imagine this woman with the water flooding her basement, coming up into the first um, floor of the home, and how she must feel waiting to be rescued, knowing that she's in a dangerous situation. And, um, friends, the people of God had been in a dangerous situation for 70 years in the um, area of Babylon. They had been taken captive away from Jerusalem 70 years earlier. The Babylonians had come in, and um, as a result of their ongoing sinfulness, the Lord had warned them over and over through the prophets, um, his people in Jerusalem, about their sin, about their compromise, about their idols that they were allowing to be um, brought into their worship and about their sexual immorality. And um, finally, the Lord allowed them to be disciplined. And he had sent prophets to say, you are the Babylonians are going to come. They're going to take you away. Um, well, sure enough. They have been living in the consequences of their sin for 70 years in a foreign country. And as you notice that um, it said, um, and where there are survivors. So just know that this was a harsh and a difficult 70 years in captivity. And um, not only had it been difficult personally for them, but they also at the time their king was killed. The temple of God, which was where God's presence was among his people, had been torn down. 
And only the elite and very smart, um, just kind of the upper echelon, they had taken as um, prisoners of war back to Babylon. And so for 70 years, they had lived in captivity. And then just recently, um, the Babylonians were overtaken by the Persian Empire. And so there was new governance yet. And so can you imagine how um, fearful that would be? to um, be under new captivity, new leadership, and um, and this problem not only was a personal and a corporate problem, but it was a problem with the kingdom of God because God's people were meant to be lighthouses. They were meant to shine the light of, of God to the rest of the world, and um, here they are in captivity where their light can't shine, and... Um, there's a writer that writes about the Outer Banks down um, in the Carolinas and how that's such a dangerous area. And they need these lighthouses all along the coastline to um, light the way so that the ships don't shipwreck in these Outer Banks. Well, in the same way, God's people were supposed to be these lighthouses to show the world how they were supposed to live under the Creator God who has a moral order and has ways of that we're to live in harmony with creation and with him. And um, these this lighthouse of God's people had um, been greatly diminished because they were in captivity and away from um, their land, away from God's presence in um, where the temple had been torn down. They were in trouble and they needed rescue. Well, friends, we've been in trouble And any of us who have been um, transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, anyone who has come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, has um, experienced this rescue. And we know what it's like to have been lost and then to be found in Christ. We also know that there are times yet that we need to be rescued, that we um, start to compromise like the Israelites did, and um, we start to experience exile. And um, some of us have experienced exile as a part of, um, like maybe a part of our heart has been in exile. Maybe you feel like you've been far away from the presence of the Lord. Maybe um, you feel like even in this quarantine um, and shelter in place, the church has felt like it's been somewhat in exile. Like we haven't been able to let our light shine because we've been um, stuck in our homes and we can't worship together corporately. We feel like that um, the world is lost and in darkness and needs a bright light and a lighthouse and a strong church. And um, we feel like we are separated and um, kind of confined. And and so we we can recognize in, in our hearts are um, through this lament series, we've learned to be honest and um, express how we feel to the Lord. And so many of us have been grieving about um, whether it's over our own sinfulness, over maybe sinful patterns. Maybe even the Lord has exposed an idol in our lives through this time of having things stripped away. All of a sudden we recognize what took so much of our time or attention um, and and. It, were there things in our lives that maybe were taking the place of God? And so um, maybe we, too, have been needing rescue. And um, I just want to say that this 
this story in Ezra is um, the story of God as a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper. And that song started to just play in my mind as I thought about the grace of God that he who um, disciplines his children that he loves, he doesn't leave them in um, in Babylon. He makes a way, and he makes a way in the most unusual, um, in our minds, like this crazy way that he turns lives around. He moves on the king of Persia to um, say, okay, I'm going to release all of you, uh, all of you to go back to Judah. Anybody that came from Judah um, that was captive here, you can go. And um, also, you're supposed to build a temple for the Lord. And um, so go back to Jerusalem and build a temple. And not only that, but um, I'm, I'm going to have the provision for you, too. And so this God moves on people's hearts. He's the he he moves on the king. And I think that's just a miracle in and of itself. And then he moves on the people. He's a way maker. He makes it so that old and young, um, the patriarchs of the family, the Levites, they're, they say yes to this call of God. When they hear the call and the opportunity, they're ready to step in and move back, even though they don't know how to get there because it is 900 miles. This is four months of a good walk and probably six months if you're doing like maybe 10,000 steps a day. So it's a long way back, but they're ready to go. And they don't go empty-handed. They go with silver and gold and provisions. And it reminds us of that first exodus when God's people were called up and brought up out of Egypt. And now he's bringing them out of Babylon. And they're going to be restored back to their kingdom purpose. They're going to prioritize God's presence and rebuild the temple. They're going to re-engage in worship. And they're given even the elements of the bowls and, and all these articles that came from the temple. They're going to have their um, the materials that are needed for worship back um, for the temple. And they're going to resume being a light in the dark world. And so isn't this a beautiful story of being trapped and being in need of rescue and God moving on um, just... I think for many of them, they would not, they probably would have just wondered, how is it ever going to work out? Will we ever be able to go back? And we know that we've interacted with people who have immigrated from another country that just long, like if they had to leave because they were refugees fleeing for some reason, they just long to go back home. And so this um, proclamation comes um, that they can go back home. And what good news and what hope it brings to us. And this would be a wonderful message. And we could just say, praise God. He's sovereign and he works all things out according to his plan. And amen. Except that there's more to the story. There's a backstory. There's even better news. And um, I, w- I want to tell you, kind of in the um, line of, Paul Harvey, do you remember? For some of you, you're you're um, too young. You don't remember who Paul Harvey was, but some of you are going to remember the rest of the story story. And um, I want to go back to the rest of the story story, and I want to tell you about Daniel and about a role that he played. 
And Daniel was reading Jeremiah. And I want to just read this prophet, just a little section um, from Jeremiah chapter 50. And it talks about that Babylon is going to be captured. This is prophesied well in advance of when the Persian Empire came in and captured them. But in um, 50 verse 2, it says Babylon will be captured. And then it says in verse 4 and 5, in those days at that time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel and the people of Judah together will go in tears to seek the Lord their God. They will ask the way to Zion and turn their faces toward it. They will come and bind themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten. And so um, it's prophesied that Babylon is going to be captured and that God's people are going to seek him and that there's going to be this renewal of their um, covenant with God. And so Daniel in chapter 9 of the book of Daniel, it tells us that um, in verse 2, um, in the first year of this leader's reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We've been wicked and we've rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. And then he goes on to just talk about how righteous God is, how he's righteous in his judgments. And yet he says, Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, verse 16, turn away from your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn. And now he goes on in verse 17. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. So Daniel is reading scripture, a prophetic word, and he's reflecting on it. And all of a sudden, the Lord gives him understanding and insight that this is the time, Daniel, that we're living in right now. This is what's happening on earth. And Daniel starts to pray. And he starts to pray because he recognizes that God, who who has sent this prophetic message, and even in Isaiah, it even said that Cyrus was going to be an anointed one of the Lord to bring his people back. And so um, Daniel all of a sudden understands what time it is in the world, what is going on, and how God's prophetic word 
his prophetic word about being um, exiles that would return, that this is what the Lord wants to do. And he hears that prophecy and then he recognizes that there's a human divine interaction like the Lord has desire and then he wants us to pray his kingdom come and his will to be done on earth. And so Daniel starts to pray and I believe he's so overwhelmed with the goodness of God that even though they had been a sinful people that God would be a promise-keeping God who would love them so much that he would return them back to their homeland and give them everything that they would need. And so he starts to pray and he um, confesses the sins that he says we. He he doesn't just say, can please forgive their sins, but he recognizes that in, in all ways that we have all sinned. And so he names it. And joins in in the um, confession of their corporate sins. And then he asks the Lord to please, please, please listen. Please forgive. Please hear and act. And he's really quoting scriptures. When you know God's word and you know what he wants to do on earth, you pray God's word back to him and say, do this, Lord. Please do this. And do this for your namesake and for your glory. You see, Daniel was concerned about the glory of God and about um, his light shining to the world. And so to see um, God's people restored back into their into Jerusalem would be for God's name and for his glory. We understand and we look at Daniel and we say there is purpose for every moment. And we'll be prepared as, what can we do in captivity? Sometimes we can sit and think in our homes, like, what can I do with this time that I'm in shelter in place? And I want to say to each of us, we are given the opportunity to be in God's word every day. We each have a Bible, and we can be in his word and asking, Lord, what time is it? What season? What are you doing on earth? And how do you want to work? And we can be the behind the scenes praying force, just like Daniel was, that he prayed. And then sure enough, in Ezra, we see his prayers answered. And so how would the Lord have us to cooperate with him? And I believe it's to listen to the prophetic words in scripture as we're reading and to ask the Lord, what is the time on this earth? What are you doing? And we have heard that he wants to bring revival and that he's wanting to renew. And um, we believe that we see signs of this on, on earth as we hear about unity among the different streams of Christianity, leaders um, repenting and asking for forgiveness of judging each other, choosing to work in unity. We saw this um, with PRMI in January with um, Christian Messianic um, Jews with Catholic priests and with Protestant um, leadership confessing judgment of each other, pronouncing love for each other, coming together in unity, the Lord stirring a movement of prayer. And there have been so many invitations to come and pray. And we have this opportunity to join in a global prayer for Pentecost, which is going to be a week from um, Sunday. And um 
there's 10 days of prayer leading up to that, three times a day. And there's information on our church email about how to plug in and to join in a global move of prayer for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If the Lord wants to bring revival, we know that it comes as we start to pray and we ask for this fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to move on hearts, to move us, to move kings' hearts, to move presidents' hearts, to move leaders around the world to make um, decisions that would be in alignment with God's purposes. We don't have to be afraid, even in a year when we're changing political leaders, um, God can work through anyone, um, whoever he chooses. He can work towards the purposes of his kingdom on earth. And so we can pray. And this is something that we want to encourage our church and our those that are listening to be in the word, to be in prayer. And then also to think about at Gold Avenue Church to be praying, Lord, your kingdom come. What have you been saying about Gold Avenue Church? What is it that you're wanting to do? And how do we spend this time right now while we feel like we're in exile praying for your kingdom purposes? We know that you've called us to um, be an equipping, a training center, and we've started to see the way the Lord started to work in um, raising up opportunities to to train up prayer partners, to train up um, our care elders, our deacons, our admin elders. Now we've um, offered this first Empowered for Witness where we had leaders from many, many different churches coming from around the region to be equipped and trained. And so um, now how do we pray in that next phase of what the Lord's wanting to do? We also are recognizing as a church that even during this time of this COVID virus, that we really need stronger connections with our neighborhood. Um, we exist to, to see the gospel of Jesus Christ transform our hearts and our neighborhood and the world. And yet we realize that we need stronger connections with our neighborhood And so we could be praying for evangelism. We could be praying for stronger community connections. We can be preparing ourselves by being in the word and knowing the word so that we can share the gospel when the Lord gives us these opportunities, whether it's right now online, over Facebook, over uh, Instagram, live streaming, um, conversations when you're social distancing at a park or whatever, do we have God's word on our lips and in our hearts? And do we know how to share the gospel? And we're working towards trying to prepare a tool to help equip us even better um, sometime later this year. So you can be praying about that gospel tool. We want to be a strong church. We believe God's calling us to be a strong church that knows God's word and embodies his kingdom, that we would be a diverse community of disciples that we would be disciple makers and that we would grow as a house of prayer. And so the Lord's going to give opportunities to and calls to find our position and to be prepared. And um, I just want to point out this chef's bazaar, which I had a hard time saying this person's name. I had a hard time with a lot of those names. You probably noticed as I was reading the passage. But um, here this person receives the the supplies that are being given, the temple articles that are being given, and then um, he brings them back along with the exiles 
from Babylon to Jerusalem. And so there's not much that's said. Um, he doesn't make a speech. We don't hear any miracles from Shasabar. Um, but he is faithful in his leadership. He steps up and without fanfare or notice, he's faithful to serve. And um, he does the thing that he's been given to do. And his name is recorded for all of us to see. And so the Lord is going to give each of us something to do in his kingdom purposes. And will we be ready to say yes and find our place of building and serving as the Lord starts to form and shape us even more into the church and the people that he wants us to be? Friends, we've been rescued by Jesus Christ. We have a loving God who keeps his promises. We have hope to offer the world to tell them about our mighty God, who's a way maker and a promise keeper. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. And that you don't treat us as we deserve, but you are so gracious and so good that you bring us back. And Lord, I pray that if there's um, some of us who are in exile, um, maybe because of sin, maybe they're feeling very distant from you right now. Lord, would you be the way maker and bring them back? Lord, would you um, help them to repent right now? Lord, I just want to say that we've all fallen short of your glory. And, Lord, we're sorry for the ways that we turn from you and that we don't follow your ways. Lord, would you um, forgive us? Would you heal us and would you restore us? Lord, if there's parts of our heart that are hurting and just feel like we're just distant from you right now, Lord, um, as we draw near to you, would you draw near to us right now and would you touch us right where we are? Lord, would you make your presence known? Lord, if we just don't know where we fit in the body of Christ, if we haven't figured out what our position is and what our way of serving you is, Lord, um, we don't know what the opportunities are going to even be in the next few months about how you're going to position us to serve in your kingdom, Lord. But we know that you do. And so, Lord, would you call up names And would you put people in the right positions? And would you have a ready yes for us? And Lord, we also want to just thank you now for the way that you continue to provide for us. And we trust that you will be the provider for everything that's needed for your kingdom purposes to go forward on earth. Lord, glorify yourself through the church forever and ever and ever, we pray. Amen.